<laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. So glad that you're here, whether in this room or whether you're in the communion room or whether you're online, however it is that you're here. We're really glad. So uh, several things to tell you as we, uh, let's see, as we, as we get going. First off, I want to make sure you know about next week. That's a really, really important on-week on-ramp week Sunday, when we have our uh, ministry expo, and they'll have food and drinks, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. Come, planning to stay a few minutes next week, and let's help you find some, uh, some on-ramps, meet some people, get plugged in, start making some friends, and, and this sort of thing. Second thing I wanted to tell you, <clears throat> you will remember, if you were here the final 10 weeks of the year, I... Uh, gave a earnest uh, plea for generosity just because we were running so far behind. And uh, that's uh, the invitation, I, just to the extent you can, would you do a little extra? And along around about mid-December, I thought, my goodness gracious, this was an enormous gap. We are getting... A lot of progress. By Christmas Eve, I was like, I think we may close this gap. And then by New Year's Eve, the 31st, they looked on the accounts and everything was closed because it was Sunday. And so <laughs> I said, So we know nothing? No, we don't know. And then the next day was a holiday. So they still didn't. So finally, then on the second, they said, You're going to be very happy. And uh, we actually closed that gap and just went the slightest bit above what it takes. Uh, and so I just want to say thank you so, so much. That just, you don't know how it uh, lightens my load. And then about 70 people on our staff, not to mention missionaries. We give a million dollars away a year to those out in other parts of the world and and when I get nervous, they all get nervous because they're like, so we're not supposed to spend money? I'm like, not right yet. And, and so thank you just so, so, so much. Looking ahead to this coming uh, year, any number of you have said, so uh, we did Luke. We went through the book of Luke two years ago and we did Acts last year. So it's coming in 24. I'll go ahead and tell you, it's time to go Old Testament, I believe. So we're going to go... Uh, to the very first book in the Bible, Genesis. Now, we're not going to start that today. We'll start that in February and, uh, and take that journey starting then. Because I wanted to do a little bit of a different series, different for the last several years, more of a topical series. Um, and I wanted to look under the hoods of our souls. Because I figured, like the a little piece was talking about resolutions... This is the, the season that many of us make our resolutions. A number of you, you made resolutions. Maybe you even have done very well on those resolutions this week. You've been eating a little bit better. You uh, went to the gym. The number of times that you said, we're going to go to the gym, and, and maybe you're off to a great start. Maybe you were off to a great start until the fourth quarter of the game last night when you just mowed through the whole family size bag of Doritos out of stress. But glory, we won. So, you know, 
That was exciting. Um, but I don't want to talk about those kind of goals. I'm not talking about goals uh, that have to do uh, with, your, uh, with your body or with your finances or with your families or any of these sorts of things, although those are all great quadrants of, of, or components of life to have goals in. I want to talk about a spiritual goal because I'm convinced that if we could get uh, the souls in our bodies running right and close to God, all of the other components will come into place so much more easily. So the question that I want to ask you as we get going here today is what kind of wear and tear on your soul is part of your life? What's uh, putting the wear and tear on your life? I'll just give you a few things I jotted down. You've got jobs to do, commutes to make, meetings to attend, children to feed, extracurricular, uh, extracurriculars to attend, calls to return, texts to reply to, social media to follow, doctors to schedule, finances to budget, bills to pay, and on and on. Any of these things, and certainly all of these things, put proverbial miles on the tires of our soul. And <clears throat> so over time, what begins to happen is the, the tread on the tires of our soul begin to uh, be worn uh, thin. It's sort of like uh, the great sequoia tree out in California that became the first in a long time, this was some years ago, to topple over. And there was no lightning, there was no windstorm, there was, there, there was nothing in it that, that, that would have caused it. And so they, they couldn't understand why has this great sequoia that was nearly a football field in length, how is it that that has fallen over? Just bam, and it was done. Well, they did some studying and realized what had happened is that the foot traffic at the base of the tree, just the tourists walking around uh, and, and marveling at how big the tree was and all, that foot traffic had worn the roots thin. And, and so with the roots <clears throat> being damaged, the sustenance needed wasn't getting in anymore, and so the tree was dying on the inside, and then it fell with a great crash one day. That's not unlike it uh, many times can happen in our own lives. I think of a pastor preacher friend of mine whose life fell with a great crash this past year. Married, had three children, many blessings uh, and good things I could tell you up until this past year. And with a great crash, he fell. And this always makes one wonder, what caused this? He had an extramarital affair. Why did he do it? Well, clearly the root system surrounding him just got worn thin. And it just gave out and he gave in. It's nothing different than uh, King David, who had such a great relationship with God in the Old Testament. And yet... He hadn't put fencing around the borders of his root system as they would do on that sequoia, on the sequoias thereafter. 
David fell with a great crash when he saw Bathsheba that day. And so what I'm trying to illustrate is, is that like uh, trees that topple because their root system isn't holding them any long, like tires that are uh, worn uh, bald, oh, I don't like the term bald, it's just a personal thing, but our souls can do the very same thing if we're not maintaining them, if we're not taking care of them. We see the same even with Moses and Aaron. You remember Moses had led the Jewish people out of Egypt into the promised land. Great miracles had happened, the parting of the Red Sea and on and on. And so you would think these people must just be so strong and so close to God after seeing him work firsthand in such powerful ways. Right? Wrong. Because what happens? Moses goes over to the top of the mountain to get the, what would he come down with, the, we call the Ten Commandments, after meeting with God. But while he was up there for a few days or weeks, he left his brother Aaron in charge, and the people started complaining to Aaron and says, we think your brother's gone. You've you got to do something. Who's going to lead us now? And where is God? And do we even really believe in him anymore? Isn't that funny? You, you who just came across the Red Sea and all these other things that God has done for you, now you're wondering. And so finally Aaron, who hadn't fenced up the trunk of his soul protecting him, he starts listening more to them and says, well, yeah, you're right. All right, just throw all your jewelry in the pot and let's melt it down. Then there was this calf. And they start worshiping the golden calf. And Moses comes down after being uh, close to God with the Shekinah glory about him. And he's demoralized, distraught, can't believe. What happened? Well, there was a batch of people whose souls just got hijacked. The same can happen to you and me. And if that happens to you or me, heaven help you and those around you. Because no matter how much you're fulfilling a physical goal, if you're still able to accomplish that, or a professional goal, if you're still able to accomplish, or a family goal, it's all going to come crashing down. Everything in the system is thrown off if our souls get off. So you say, well, all right, so what might we do to maintain and to grow a vibrant soul even stronger? That's what I want to talk about in our remaining minutes. I would like to do a little bit of a different kind of message today. It's more of a how-to. It's more of a workshop. Now, if you've been at FaithBridge uh, for any number of years, you would have hear, heard a variation of this talk. But I looked back in my records and realized it has been seven years since I did this kind of talk. So I know very well that there are many of you who you say, I don't know where you're going. You're getting ready to find out. And even those of you who say, oh, I think I know what he's going to do. I have heard this before. It won't hurt you to hear it again. In fact, as several told me after the first service, that was so good. I've gotten away from that, and it, I just needed the refresher. 
and my hope is that will be the case for you. What I would like to uh, suggest is that God has given us his word written. The problem is, and it's so instructive, the problem is we just don't ever spend any time. And then we begin to listen to other people and say, well, you don't know. Yeah, you can't trust it. It's, it's, there's nothing in there that's particularly uh, salient to your lives. And it's probably all wrong anyhow. And Well, those are things easily said by people who've never spent any time in it. Those of us who've spent time in it say, oh, no, these are the words of life and sustenance. And so what I would like to do is illustrate for you how I have my time with God every day. Being a morning person, I tend to do it in the morning. And, um, but I'm not going to prescribe when you need to do it. I just would wonder, are you doing it with the same uh, focus and commitment that you are doing your physical fitness or your financial uh, debt payoffs or any of these other things? That's what I want to talk about in our time. And so what I'd like to uh, do is equip you right now with a set of tools without which you won't be able to do it. There are four in particular that I'll list here. The first thing that you would need, if you want to grow your soul, you will have to have a Bible. You say, this is going pretty basic. Yes, I told you it was. All right, now, some of you, though, many of you perhaps, you say, I'm a little intimidated by the Bible. You know, I actually understand that because I remember getting excited about God for the first time when I was in high school and then even uh, more in college, so much so that I felt God had called me to go into full-time ministry. And this was the Bible that uh, I took with me. It's called the NIV Study Bible. It's a great classic. And, but I got to seminary and quickly ascertained, boy, these people know the word better than I know the word. Because the professor would say, open up to this, and I'd be like, and I couldn't find it. So I went down to the bookstore and found these little tabs. And I spent an hour putting these little tabs on because I didn't want to look too stupid uh, among my peers. So if he said, I want you to go to Isaiah, boom, there we are. Now you can get tabs like this on Amazon. They're not much. And <clears throat> you say, well, which Bible would I want? Well, I would encourage you to, uh, there's so many different ones. Sometimes people say, so I've heard that the King James Version is the best one. Is that the case? Well, that is the case if you speak like Shakespeare. And, <laughs> but if that's not your dialect, um, then I'll probably say that one won't be as helpful for you. Um, what, what I might recommend is the NIV is a very great one. Um, New International Version, it's called, or, or the NLT, New Living Translation. Very reader-friendly. Uh, if you want a uh, maybe slightly less reader-friendly but very uh, mechanical or almost literal word-by-word uh, -word translation, you would want to move towards something that's called the NAS uh, version or the E. 
I keep wanting to say ELS, but that's what they do at school. That's not it. It's what's that? the English ESV. That's it. The ESV uh, is the, these are both uh, very accurate, not quite as reader friendly as those two. If you wanted to go all the way to a um, uh, a uh, paraphrase, uh, you could get Gene Peterson's version called The Message. Very readable. And um, so I would encourage you, buy one of these, and if they have some study notes, all the better. Um, because then, if you have a question... You can look down in the verse and find the corresponding note and say, this verse might mean such and such. And it's, ah, that really helps me because I wouldn't understand what I was meaning. And so you need to have a Bible. Now, the second thing that you need is you need to have a plan. Why do you need a plan for reading God's Word? Because if you plan to fail, your plans will fail. Or you plan, if you fail to plan, your plans will fail. That's it. And... Um, <laughs> And what I mean by that is you, uh, if you have no plan to get you through God's word, then you'll, you, you, won't, you won't move there. You're like, gosh, it's confusing. I don't know what I have to read in here. Maybe if you were lucky, you'd say, well, what's that psalm that they did at the funeral? Psalm 23. I'll read that one. That one makes me feel good. Well, yeah, but there's some other things too. And so you need a plan that will get you through other parts of God's word. And all you have to do is go and get the, the app called YouVersion. YouVersion, it probably has a thousand different plans. If you want to go through the Bible in a year, you can find various Bible in a year versions. If you say, oh, I, I, that's, that's a lot of reading. That's three or four chapters per day. You're like, I don't know that I have that amount of time. You say, but maybe I would like to go through the New Testament once or twice, well, I'd get you a New Testament plan. That'll put you on a schedule that'll take you through in the allotment of time. Or you say, maybe I will go through the Bible in three years. Okay, that's more manageable. And they've got all these good plans. You can, you can uh, look them up and subscribe, and they'll even send you the daily reading on your phone. And so it's really quite a handy thing. Uh, you get your, your, your reading plan uh, queued up so that you know Kind of, here's where I'm moving towards. And in a little while, we're going to, well, not in a little while, you came and sat on it. Uh, We're actually going to give you a plan because we figured any number of you might not have a plan. Now, if you have a plan and you say, oh, my devotional life is soaring, wonderful, and you're probably the minority. And uh, so thank you for listening anyhow. But most of you, you have no plan. I'm going to give you a plan. Here's for the next 30 days a plan that would get you through the Gospel of John. And it's less than one chapter a day in some instances. But it's, and so therefore, it's very manageable. So you've got your plan that's going to take you through God's Word. <clears throat> and you've got your Bible. Now you need to have uh, some sort of journaling device. I say journaling device because that might be a literal journal, uh, you know, like a little spiral notebook 
or sometimes they, seems like I go to conferences and they give you these empty journals all the time. It's a party favor kind of deal. And so I, I got bazillions of them. And um, so you need a journaling device, but I say device because some years ago I decided to move towards electronic, finding that I can type faster than I can, uh, than I can write. And so uh, I, ooh, I went towards Uh, they have things like Evernote and others that you can subscribe to, and then, then you can access it from anywhere that you want, and that's, that's pretty human. If you use a, uh, a, a traditional journal, you'll obviously need something like a pen to <laughs> write in it. And then, last of all, I would suggest that you get some sticky notes, a pad of sticky notes. You say, well, now what in the world do I need those for? I'll tell you, if you're any bit like me, I hardly get my coffee made, and I sit down with my Bible and my uh, little laptop, and I don't get 30 seconds in before the, and I'm going to say the devil, because I think it is the devil. The devil then decides to remind me of everything I forgot to do that I told other people I would do. And so it's then I think, oh, goodness, I told Suzanne I'd go get her oil changed yesterday. I didn't do it. And the temptation, what's the temptation? The temptation is like, you know what, God... I'll see you tomorrow. I got to go and do that. And you get up and you go on with your day. Or you even have resolution or resolve. I'm going to come back. No, you won't get back to it. Not if you're a morning person. The way way life works, it'll just close in on you. And so what I do is by having that little stack of sticky notes, and this is also good if you're ADHD, because if you're ADHD, you always got thoughts. And and so (laughs) I wouldn't know, though. And... um, so if you get, you get a thought, you just write that thought down. I need to get the oil changed. And then you stick it there, and you go back to what you're doing. And then the devil will bring another one. Well, yeah, what about that? Oh, nope, I'm not going to do it. And then you write that, you stick it there, you get back to what you're doing. You're going to protect like a fence around the sequoia. You're going to protect that time um, with God. Now, with these things in hand... Let's talk about, so what are we going to do with them? Here's what I'm going to encourage. Uh, Whatever plan that you're using, I'm going to encourage you to drive towards one thing, one verse. Whether you're reading this many verses or whether you're reading Bible in a year, you have four chapters. Um, I'm going to say go for one verse. It'll just be a sentence. Why one? Here's why. Our brains can't think about more than one thing throughout the day. And if a devotional life is really going to be sustaining for you and give you sustenance throughout the day, you've got to be able to access it and real, uh, remember it and uh, chew on it like uh, the cow does with a cud. You have to be able to ponder that. And if you're any bit like I am, it, it, I've tried and tried and tried. I try, I'll have... A devotional life where I'm like this. I like five verses in this in this reading. Well, I try by lunchtime. I've forgotten every one of them because I can't remember five things. So I drill towards one. Let me illustrate. This past, uh, I guess it was Wednesday. I'm going through Genesis since we're going to be preaching on Genesis. And it was up to Genesis 40, 
five on this day. And I was reading in Genesis 45. It's the story of Joseph, whose father was Jacob and whose grandfather was Isaac and whose great-grandfather was Abraham. And Joseph is this really good guy. And he loves God and he's moral and all this good stuff. And, but man, everything bad happens to him. His brothers despise him. They're envious. They sell him into slavery. He becomes a slave. Um, and he's accused falsely, thrown in prison, lives in a dungeon for a couple of years. And I mean, it's bad. But then by God's amazing grace, he's raised up into a position of being number two in the whole kingdom of Egypt. And there's this great famine going on. And he's giving advice because God's telling him what to tell the Pharaoh. And it's going to work out great. And then all these brothers who'd betrayed him, they run out of food up in the Holy Land of Canaan. And so they're down in Egypt saying, please, sir, we need some grain. And he realizes these are my brothers. Now, it's there you think, oh, I bet you've been practicing the talk you'd love to lay on them right about now for years if you had the chance. That's not what he does. I want you to see what he does when he identifies himself in Genesis 45, 5. Here's what I do. My, my S stands for scripture. Here's my verse for the day. And now, don't be distressed, brothers, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me like dirty, rotten, no, not really, <laughs> selling me here because it was to save many lives that God sent me here. Wow. That was my verse. Now, here's what I'm going to do after I've written down my verse for the day. I'm going to move to the O. The O stands for observations. I'm going to make some observations about the text uh, and the context. And again, on our little uh, bookmark that we're giving you, you've got a little summary of, of what I'm telling you right now. So you can access it if you don't get everything right now. But what I would emphasize to you during the O portion when you're writing observations, you're never using the pronoun I, me, us, we. Mm -mm. Those come in when you're talking application. Observation is just, here's what I'm noticing textually is happening. So here's what I wrote. Joseph was so attuned to God and God's sovereign providential hand that even after he had been rejected, now you're saying also why type, hurt, betrayed, enslaved, punished, and imprisoned, 
for years of loneliness. He knew that he knew that he knew that God was still with him and still real. Talk about a faith full person. Now, those are just some observations that I'm making around the context, what was happening, and because I read the whole chapter, okay? Now, let's go to the application, and I'll illustrate what I write. Now I'm going to turn it towards me. How can I apply this? So I wrote, compared to Joseph, I have lived a very easy, charmed life. I've never been enslaved, imprisoned, rejected, abandoned by my family. In fact, the worst I've faced is pretty mild. Yet, I can fall on the floor like a child at the grocery store <laughs> complaining to God and asking, do you see what's going on? Are you still there? And on and on. <clears throat> the challenge I see in today's verse for me is to live with a much grander perspective of God and his providence and his protection and his will and his companionship to be with me. After all, at Christmas Eve, I preached five times about Emmanuel, God with us. Oof. <laughs> so I'm very real. Um, and uh, so this is, so this is, uh, now I know what I, I need to ponder today. Come hell or high water, 
I need to keep an eye on the fact God is with me. And he's, even if I don't see why or what's going on exactly, he, I know he is. I know that deep down. Now, my N, this stands for prayer. The P stands for prayer. I've, made, I've chosen my verse, my observations, my application, and now my prayer. Uh, Lord, please help me to live today and throughout 2024 with a grander perspective and less fussiness and bad attitudes, et cetera, et cetera. I went on, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so that's, that was my devotion for, uh, I think it was Wednesday. Now, there's one other thing I do here at the end. I, I go back to the top, and then I give my, my devotion for that day. I give it a title. So I call this one a grander perspective. Now, why do I give it a title? Because all of us have thoughts. Thoughts are just floating around in our brains. Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. thoughts. But our thoughts, are they just, they, they, they're formless unless we put a cage around them and name them. Just like if you had a baby and you said, well, just for kicks, let's not, we won't give this baby a name. Well, there they are. At, but, but no, you have to give it a name. It has, if it's ever going to, you, you have to name things. And that's how it is with our thoughts. So I give it uh, this thought. And then I'll tell you one last thing that I do. Uh, back when I was using traditional journals, uh, like the print uh, paper kind, I would save the first three or four pages at the front of the journal. I would spin over those pages, and I would leave them because what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a table of contents. You say, now what are you going to put on the table of contents? I'm going to put four things in the table of contents. Every day, I'm going to put the date. So this was one Three, four, 24. And then my text was Genesis, uh, what was it, 45, 4. My title was Living with a Grander Perspective. I write it down. And then the page number. Well, let's suppose that I was just using a physical journal. I'm numbering the pages every day as I go. I was like, what was I yesterday? Because I was on page 32. Well, so today, page 33. And I put a little 33 at the top and circle it. And, whoops, I'm on the wrong. So, um, so now, here's what happens. You do this day after day after day. And you do it for a week and two weeks three weeks, and a month, an interesting thing starts to happen. Somebody might say in your small group or in your discipleship group, how's your devotional life? Now you don't have to go, well, <laughs> some days it's good, some days. No, now you can say, 
Which day do you want to know about? I can tell you exactly what the fresh baked bread I brought out of the oven of heaven was that day for me. And I'm telling you, that is a really, really exciting thing. Now you actually have a plan for your devotional, for the sustenance of your soul that you can just go back to. Now, what if you miss a day? Well, the sky's not going to fall. The Bible will still be there the next day. If you're, if you're legalistic you, and you're trying to do a certain number of chapters, well, then you'll need to make it up. But on the other hand, maybe you say, well, I'll just pick up where I left off, and um, on we go two days later. Um, so you have to figure that one out for yourself. But this is how, uh, how I have found to be most helpful. Again, I'll reiterate, if you already have a devotional plan and it's working and you're meeting with God and everything, and you're hearing from his word, you don't need this plan. You stay with what's working. But if you have no plan, I hope that you would try this plan. It's like a tool to put in the spiritual toolbox and why don't you try it for a month and see if something doesn't begin to come to life in your soul. My hope and my prayer is that we would be a church of hundreds, uh, yea, thousands, who would say in 2024, I really do want to take responsibility for the cultivation of my soul. Because I do believe this to the core of my being. If you and I will do that, then the other components of our lives, be they physical, be they emotional, relationship, relational, financial, vocational, those will come into place so much more easily. If the core of who you are and who you will be throughout eternity is being fortified first and foremost. That's my hope, and that's my prayer for each of you. Why don't we pray? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to talk just in a sort of a how-to practical way about your word and the value that it brings to our lives if we would but spend time with you Drawing near, studying your word, pondering it, reflecting on it, and, and ruminating on it throughout the day. My prayer is that you would equip each of us with just enough want to to want to. Because sometimes we need the want to to want to. I pray that you would install that into each of our souls. And that even the coming 30 days, we might begin to see something is starting to blossom in my heart and in my mind and in my life. And I pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus, our Lord, amen.